you have a Bible this morning, go ahead and open up to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to be in verses 1 through 15 this morning. We're nearing the end over the last next several weeks leading up to Easter. We'll finish up, Lord willing, our series through the book of 2 Corinthians. And uh, there's so much rich doctrine and beautiful passages left for us to look through. And so I appreciate everyone, uh, your patience and love and, and desire for the Word as we've worked through this book of the Bible. It's uh, a joy to get to preach the Word to each of you here at First Baptist Church. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 15. If you don't have your own copy of God's Word, you can open up to page 1334. We finally turned the page. 1334 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. And if you have your Bibles open there, do, do me a favor, please, and, and let's stand together as we read God's Word. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God Himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 1, I, I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that, so that you might be exalted because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge? I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. When I was with you and was in need, I, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows I do. And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Let's pray. Oh Lord our God, help us to see your word and, and help us to be changed by the truth of your word. Help make us people who are able to discern the true gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
Sincerely, sometimes I feel like there's very little discernment. Very little discernment being practiced among Christian people these days. I am often troubled when I look at the books that sell, the preachers that get popular, the ideas that get spread in the name of Christianity. Even at sometimes I get worried about some of the songs that pass as Christian songs, the thoughts that pass as Christian thoughts. So sometimes I fear that our churches and the, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ here in the United States, sometimes I fear that we have lost all sense of biblical discernment. In fact, it breaks my heart doubly so. Because it seems like believers or people who have heard the true and genuine gospel have nonetheless found themselves helping create a market for bad teaching or false teaching that cheapens the gospel and actually leads lost people away from Jesus. It, it, it breaks my heart to see the way. And sometimes good Christian people, sometimes even our own Baptist folks, will run out after any kind of health, wealth, and prosperity gospel or other gospels that are not the gospel of Jesus Christ. It troubles me. I wonder, where did discernment go? But then... I look in the other direction and I get troubled as well. Because I, I've encountered and see Christians who can't seem to love anybody because they're so busy looking for false teaching behind every rock. Just, just everywhere they look, they're trying to find something wrong. People who have become so bitter and so cynical, they, they just assume everyone is a false teacher in every gospel, but believe it or not, the one they preach is a false gospel. And there are folks that so badly want to be discerning that they've ceased to discern the finer points of the law, the things that matter most to the Lord, grace and love and mercy. Even in our own fellowship of churches, the Southern Baptist Convention, there are folks out there who are willing to lie and slander in order to try to help their voice be heard, in order to try to say that nobody else is discerning but them. And it makes me wonder whether or not they're being discerning in the way they're behaving themselves. And so, what is a faithful Christian to do? Those of you who are sitting in the pew every Sunday, those of you who are trying to read your Bible, those of you who are trying to figure out, okay, during the week, I need other teaching, I, need to re I want to read, I want to grow deeply in the Word. What are we to do? How can we be discerning? How can we reject those things we ought to reject and yet, how do we do it in such a way that we don't just become cynical and bitter and unloving? How do we balance truth and love? How, how can we be wise as serpents and yet innocent as doves? How can we be discerning without losing our soul? I think we see here in 2 Corinthians, Paul modeling for us the way that we can be firm and yet loving in a situation where false teaching is involved. When, when discernment is required. I think you see the way that, that even in the midst of a really tough passage, he's reminding the Corinthians of his love for them. I, I think you see the way that even when Paul needs to be firm and even at times severe, he, he can still balance it with love and grace in a way that you can tell this is someone who by the Holy Spirit was wrestling with how to strike this balance. 
And here we have in God's infallible word a record of how a Christian can be discerning in a godly and in a faithful way. This morning, what I want to do is I want to help you see how to practice true biblical discernment. I'm just going to show you four truths this morning. Now, don't panic in that, okay? Four points today. (laughs) Don't panic. Four points today. I've got a clock on the back wall. I'm ready to roll. Four truths that can help you be discerning when it comes to false teaching. Four things I think can help be guardrails in your life. Things you can put up in your heart and you can say, I I can look at these things and try to discern whether or not I'm hearing a false message or not. Whether or not this person who's talking is a false teacher or not. Or or at least someone who maybe even means well but is spreading false teaching. Uh, So I want to show you four things that can help you discern the truth of the gospel. All right, here's the first. False teachers... False teachers ruin, they ruin pure devotion to Christ. False teachers ruin pure devotion to Christ. You see, when we come to know Jesus in faith, when we put our trust and faith in Jesus, we have a sincere and a pure devotion to Christ. And Paul knows this was the case when he brought the gospel to the Corinthians that they began their walk with Jesus with sincere and pure devotion to Christ. But notice what he says here. I I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. You're going to see foolishness as a sort of theme in the coming verses and chapters. He says, do bear with me for I feel a divine jealousy for you. Since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning. What does he say? I am afraid that your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. What does he say? He doesn't say I'm afraid your hearts will be led astray. He, he doesn't say, I'm afraid your actions will be led astray. And I think if you look at the context of 2 Corinthians, those are certainly things Paul has a concern about. If you read First or Second Corinthians, Paul's concerned about their hearts and Paul's concerned about their actions. There are some actions that Paul takes very seriously in the text of 1 Corinthians and in 2 Corinthians for that matter. And yet here, what's he, what does he fear? He fears that their thoughts... Their thoughts would be led astray from pure and sincere devotion to Christ. You see, I think it's important for us to understand as Christians that the mind is the center of the Christian life. Now you may say, preacher, preacher, what about the heart? I thought it was the heart. And it's true that our will and our emotions and our proclivities, our affections, so to speak, our heart is essential in obeying Jesus. That, that who we are at our core, our heart, just our base set of desires is essential to following Jesus properly. And yet the picture of the New Testament shows us that the way you change your desires, the way you change your heart, the, the, the way you impact your affections is through the mind 
through the renewal of the mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern, discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, the way our heart is transformed is by having our minds, our thoughts, taken captive by the Word of God. You see, one of the great tools of the devil in modern Christianity, and I think this has happened even in our own denomination in different ways, and certainly in the evangelical movement, unfortunately, this has happened. We've developed over time a suspicion, a a suspicion, of anything related to Christianity that involves our mind. I can remember when I was in middle school and high school having folks say things like, you know, you don't need to think too much, Matt. Listen, if your teenage son wants to think, let him think. It's so rare among (laughs) my breed. Not from my parents, but from other folks, I would hear that. You you don't need to think too much. You need to just really focus on your heart. You're thinking too much. You're too focused on the the mind. You need to focus on your heart. And I'm just going to tell you something right now. I just about lost my faith because I couldn't find somebody to help me think about it. Because we've got to recognize we live in a world where the devil is at work in the minds of people. There are intellectual threats to Christianity that we just cannot simply ignore as the church. There are good answers. You you don't have to check your brain at the door. In fact, what we think on is what we become. What, What we think on is what we come to love. Be careful that you don't let your thoughts go astray. Guard your thoughts. Guard your mind, guard what you think on, what you read, what you watch, what you entertain yourself with. Guard your thoughts, because through your thoughts, your heart can be transformed. And you can have stolen from you as your thoughts are led astray by false teaching. Your thoughts can eventually lead you away from a sincere and pure devotion to Jesus. Our worldview, our mindset, the way we understand the world around us can eventually snuff out the fire of your passion and piety before Christ. Be careful how you think. False teachers are going to ruin for you a sincere and pure devotion to Jesus. Second of all, false teachers are going to proclaim a false gospel. an anti-gospel something that is presented to you as if it's the gospel of Jesus Christ and yet is something that if believed and if lived out will lead you to hell simply enough you might say of course yes I understand false teachers teach and preach a false gospel but preacher how do I know how do I know what's a true gospel or the true gospel, and what's a, a false gospel? Well, Paul gives us some, some hallmarks, some signposts that help us understand what a false gospel might be. First of all, Paul says 
If someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed. If someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed. A different Jesus is a hallmark of a false gospel. You see, everyone wants to claim Jesus. Have you all noticed this? You don't get many points out there in the world by bashing Jesus. Everybody wants a piece of the Messiah, you know. Give me some, get, okay, come on, Jesus, come on over here. Support me in this cause. No, Jesus doesn't like that kind of person. He likes this kind of person, right? Everybody wants a little piece of, of Jesus. But what we have to do is evaluate every Christ that is proclaimed. That every Jesus that you hear proclaimed, you have to evaluate, make sure that he is in line and in keeping with Jesus as he is revealed in the Bible. You see, some folks want to proclaim a Jesus who just acts and looks and thinks just like them. And if that's the case, it's probably not the biblical Jesus that's being proclaimed. You see, Jesus even disagreed with his own disciples and apostles at different times. He would frustrate them in what he taught and what he said. You, you, you see, what people will try to do is try to preach Jesus to you in such a way that as you hear him preach, you'll think, man, he, he, he makes a lot of sense because he sounds and thinks the way I sound and think. And what that person wants you to do is buy their book, subscribe to their channel, put some money in the offering plate when it comes around, buy their stuff, support them. And so they'll make Jesus sound really great to you. They'll create Jesus in your image in order that you might give them some more money. And it is literally as simple as that for a lot of false teachers. And yet what we recognize is that Jesus is not put in our boxes. We cannot take Jesus and make him look just like us because Jesus is the Son of God and Jesus defines who Jesus is through his word and through his life and through his death and through his resurrection. And so when Jesus starts to look like us, we better be careful. But also a different spirit is a hallmark of a false gospel. A different spirit from the one you received. Now don't think for a moment, my precious church, don't think for a moment that all spiritual things in this world that everything in this world that looks spiritual, that seems spiritual, that carries with it a, 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 an air of authenticity in, in terms of a spiritual nature. Don't think for a moment that all those spirits and all the spiritual things are of the Holy Spirit. But we, we recognize and we look at this world and we read the Bible and we recognize there are spirits in the world that are not the Holy Spirit. There are things that are unseen that are not of God. And don't think for a moment that the devil is unable to make things seem spiritual in order to dupe us into believing something we ought not to believe. Be careful. Be careful when anyone talks about a different spirit than the one you've received. And I think there are well-meaning Christians that believe differently than us about the work and role of the Holy Spirit who inadvertently sometimes muddy the waters about how Christians receive the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit when you are joined to Christ by faith. That's when you receive the Holy Spirit. You don't need extra spirit. 
You don't need another spirit. You don't need a second baptism in the spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian. And so brothers and sisters, I want us to be really careful that we don't have this sort of idea that there is a spiritual world that doesn't exist outside the gospel. There is. The prince of the power of the air, the devil himself, wants you to believe something other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so be on guard, be on watch to make sure that you are not hearing about or talking about or receiving a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. Paul sums it up, though. He says there might be someone who comes to you to teach, and you might accept a different gospel from the one you accepted. And he says you put up with it readily enough. He's talking about foolishness. Bear with me with a little foolishness, because if this is going on, you're already putting up with foolishness. Paul's using this sort of rhetorical device to, to help them see that, that he's not the one that's being foolish. It's them that's being foolish because they're going out after another gospel. You see, it's so easy to become enamored with another gospel that actually encourages us, encourages us in our sin. A, a gospel that di- downplays the difficulty of the Bible in tough areas to make it palatable in the world. One of the things that we're, we're all struggling with in our culture and our society right now is what it means for Jesus to be Lord of our sex lives. What, what, what does it mean for Jesus to be over who we are as sexual beings? And you see all sorts of ways that we're trying to accommodate ourselves to the spirit of the age. All sorts of ways that we're trying to make the Bible sort of seem softer in some areas. And don't think for a moment, don't think for a moment because this is a Southern Baptist church in the Bible Belt that the only sort of folks I'm talking about are East Coast elites and people who are struggling with homosexual sexuality and, and folks who are thinking about becoming transgender or whatever else. Don't think for a moment that that's the only way that the devil is attacking our sexual ethic as Christians. Don't think for a moment that it's not also true in the way we love our spouses. Don't think for a moment that it's not also true in the way we order our homes. Don't think for a moment that it's not also true in in what we see and what we view with our eyes and with our hearts. We must reject any sort of a gospel that is not in keeping with the gospel that's in the Scriptures. A gospel that downplays the difficulty of the Bible or a gospel that's works-based. And the works happen to be those works that are the works of good church people. And we have to reject a, a hateful gospel that excludes certain sorts of people. We have to be so careful with this. We must reject a gospel that promises us everything in this life. A gospel that gives you everything in this life is a gospel that will impoverish you in the life to come. We must stick to the offensive gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that is good news only by faith, not works, but faith alone. It's a gospel that's honest about sin because Jesus loves us enough to be truthful with us and to save us from our sin. It's a gospel that's radically inclusive. Anyone who repents and believes will be saved. It's a gospel that gives us hope that Christ will make this world whole again and reward His people when the time is 
right. We must stand wholeheartedly on the biblical gospel because false teachers are always presenting to us false gospels that flatten what the Bible teaches. We must stick with what Jesus has said. Third of all, false teachers seek personal gain. You don't need me to tell you this. We all kind of get this by instinct. But false teachers seek personal gain. Paul says, did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you, what? Free, charged. I robbed, he's kind of being ironic here. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. When I was with you and I was in need... I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. He says, so I refrained and I will refrain from burdening you in any way. He says, this boasting of mine in Christ will not be silenced in this region. And why? Because I do not love you? No. He says, God knows I love you. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, I think he's contrasting himself with the super apostles who are saying a real apostle gets supported by the church he's preaching at. And so these guys are trying, I think they're kind of encroaching on the special offering for the saints in Jerusalem. I think they're encroaching on the giving that the the church has for the church in order that they might be paid for their work. And so it's sort of like nobody invited them there, nobody asked them to come, and yet here they are, and what do they have? They have their hands out to be paid. And Paul says, if that's a sign of false apostleship, then I'm guilty. Reject me. Bear with me. If I'm being foolish in this, I'm being foolish. But was it foolish of me to not charge you to preach the gospel? Was I just stealing from other churches when I came there because I should be taking money from you? Paul's exposing how ludicrous this is, and he's exposing the way that false teachers are out for personal sordid gain. It's not a, I don't believe it's a sin. I think, in fact, that the Bible teaches positively that preachers should be paid. But I believe that we can sense false teaching, by the way, that some seem to be in ministry simply for personal gain. There's a big difference between a church setting a, a living wage and showing honor to those who labor in preaching and teaching the Word by supporting them and freeing their time up to focus on preaching and teaching the Word like we do here at First Baptist Church where we, we can pay folks to help carry out the business of the church during the week. I think the Bible encourages that sort of thing. And yet what I think we have to reject are folks who are simply out there trying to pad their pockets. Consider this. Be very, very wary. Be, be really careful when a minister or a preacher is all about personal gain. Be careful when someone just seems to be out just to get rich through preaching. And they become more into what makes money than what honors God. And don't we see example after example after example where a false gospel and someone who's out for personal gain go hand in hand. And haven't we seen example after example after example of how that false gospel ruins The real gospel for people. It ruins their ability to trust a pastor or a preacher. Haven't we seen over and over and over again the way that personal gain 
destroys the trust that people ought to have in those who preach and teach the Word. Brothers and sisters, just be careful. Be careful in listening to those who seem to be out just to pad, just to pad their pockets. And that leads us to our last point this morning. False teachers ruin devotion. They ruin pure devotion to Christ. They preach a false gospel. They're out for personal gain. And finally, false teachers are deceitful. False teachers are deceitful. They are intentionally deceiving people. They, they are a virus. False teaching and bad theology is a virus because it comes into healthy churches and healthy denominations and healthy ministries and healthy institutions and it ruins them. It ruins them. It's one of the things I hate worse about theological liberalism. And, and what I don't mean, you know, we get our terms confused a lot of time. I don't mean just mere like political liberalism or just being left-leaning or whatever else. I'm, I'm talking about theological liberalism, theological revisionism, where people come in and they look at the Bible and they try to tell folks what it really means. And so over the years, I've had folks tell me, if you don't quit believing all that Bible stuff, nobody's ever going to come to your church. And you look at the denominations that have given in to this. And they're collapsing. They're, they're, they're collapsing because there's no power in the gospel they preach. I always say it's like spraying your garden with Roundup and telling everybody else their flowers are ugly. It's a virus. It's deceitful. I, I promise you, when the day, if the day comes, and I don't believe it will, but if the day came that I didn't believe the Bible anymore, I wouldn't come up here and try to tell y'all, well, let's all just sit around and sing Kumbaya. It doesn't matter if it's true enough. We ought to just love each other. You may go find that on the Be Sweet to Each Other TV channel or something else, but that will not be preached from this pulpit. I'll resign. I'll quit. Turn my Bible in. I'll be done. You see, false teachers are deceitful. And, and, and you've got false teachers from all sorts of stripes. Don't think that there aren't people who are right of us. You know, talking about people who are theologically left of us. Don't think there aren't people who are right with us on our theology in practice and yet are deceitful teachers. Are really more about patting their own pockets and trying to get out their thoughts and their views than they are the Word of God. False teachers prey on the goodwill and the kindness and the love of Christian people. They sound just Christian enough, just barely Christian enough, but something is off. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says Satan hates you. He wants to devour you. And he uses false teachers to help. He says, no wonder such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ in verse 14. And no wonder, wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. False teaching is devilish work. It's the work of Satan. It is satanic to preach a gospel other than the gospel that's revealed 
in the scriptures. It's it's devilish work. It's doing the work of the devil to preach a false gospel. You see, I don't preach the Bible because I'm so brave. I I don't stand on the Bible because I'm so brave. I preach the Bible because I fear God more than I fear the world. I I fear God who is able to cast both body and soul into hell. But praise be to God, my friends, there is a true gospel. It's a gospel that redeems us and weds us to Jesus with genuine faith and pure devotion. It moves Jesus' followers to look for their reward and their good thing in Christ and Christ alone. This gospel is true. It's straightforward. It's clear. Brothers and sisters, we cannot We must not settle for less than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ as it's revealed in God's holy word. Be discerning, my friends. Be careful and cling to Christ and Christ alone. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning I pray that as we have this invitation, God, that you would move in the hearts of those who are here this morning. God, I pray you would move in the hearts of those who need you for the first time. And God, that they would feel free today by your grace to come forward and receive Christ. Lord, I pray you would move in the hearts of those believers here who just need time with you during this time of invitation. And Lord, I pray you would move in the hearts of those who need a church home. Make it clear to them, Lord, whether or not First Baptist Church is the church home you're calling them to. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.